Jesus, we thank you. What a joy it is to be together in your house. We thank you for your presence in this place. And we are constantly amazed that when we come together in your presence and just a few songs in, singing about your name, lifting our voices, focusing our minds, setting our affections again on you. We are amazed at how in but moments you lift us, you strengthen us, you give us that joy, you give us that, that peace that passes understanding. You are amazing, Jesus. You really are. And as your people together collectively today, we truly do want to thank you. want to thank you for one another. We look around the room. We're all shapes and sizes. Oh, God, we thank you. You've chosen such as us to be a part of your wonderful family. And our lives are joined and interlinked and interwoven as your people, as your body and your life. The power of your spirit flows through this very body of your people. We want to thank you for that. You hold it all together by the word of your power. You're so good to us. You really are, Jesus. We praise you. And we don't take it for granted either what you've done who you are and how you're building your church and our lives. This is precious, what we have here coming together as one in your name. We thank you for it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. What a joy it is. What a joy it is to be together as God's people. And you know, you may be watching online this morning. You may not be able to be here because you're shielding. We've got all these terms, haven't we? Shielding, social, socially distancing. My goodness. Before last year, we wouldn't have known what all of this language was about. But um, with all of this virus setting in, all of these different terms come in. But you know what I love? Even though we may have to physically distance from one another, there is no distance or separation in the spirit. There really isn't. So if you're watching online, do you know what? Let's, let's give those watching online this morning a big round of applause. Why don't we welcome them to the service? We really do want to welcome you. There isn't any distance in the spirit. And I know collectively we long to be together as God's people, close, speaking, chatting, seeing one another in each other's homes. We long for that. But let us never forget, in times like this, this is our security. Jesus said this, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Never forsake you. I'm always there. So whilst we have to have all of these parameters and distance and, and isolation and all of these other terms that we've got, we don't find them in the Word of God. Yes, we, we, we respect what we've got to do and we obey 
We obey it, but you know what? There's no distance in the Spirit. There's one that's in our lives that never leaves us, that never forsakes us. He is always there. And, and he said, lo, he said this to his disciples, and when he spoke to his disciples, he was speaking on beyond them to us. Lo, I am with you always, even until the end. And when the end comes, there's just a new beginning in him. Amen. So listen, there's no distance in the spirit. There really isn't. We're not isolated ever from him. He's with us and he is our Lord. And that's, that's encouraging to me. I keep that in my mind. I keep that before me. In times like this, when people's hearts are failing, when people are, are downcast, as believers in Christ, he is with us. We live in him. We move in him. We have our being in him. Let us never forget that, right? With all of the news feeds that we listen to, I don't know how many times, you know, a day it comes and it bombards and it comes up on your phone. It, you're just immersed in it sometimes. Let us never forget the greatest news ever that God has come to live in our hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus lives in us. We must never forget that. We never want to, do we? And that's our hope. That's our comfort. That's our security in all of these times. And we want to be a blessing and a voice to others in their, in their fear and, and in, sometimes in their pain and, and hopelessness. Let's be that light, that beacon of hope. Let's use our lives to be a blessing to others. Amen. Well, starting today and over the next few weeks, I want to talk to you about what Paul the Apostle called a more excellent way. That's what we're going to be looking at over the next while. This is going to be the series of messages that I'm going to be looking at. And this is going to be the title, A More Excellent Way. Because when Paul the Apostle described the life that we have in Christ, he never once pictures it as being deficient or substandard in any way. It is a more excellent way to live. It's a more excellent way of life that you and I have been given the privilege to live in Christ Jesus. Jesus did not die on the cross, go to the grave, carry the weight and the judgment of God for our sin so that we could have a substandard, inferior life. No, he rose from the dead in order to give us the power of his Holy Spirit so that we could access and live in a wonderful dimension of life. And this is the term that the Apostle Paul brings to the table when he uses this word, a more excellent way. There's a more excellent way for you and I. Through every situation in life, there is a more excellent way. Through all of the complexities of life, it doesn't matter what faces you in your future. It doesn't matter what stalks you from your past. It doesn't matter what the hindrances are. It doesn't matter what the barriers are. I tell you now, when we put our trust and our faith in God, when we take his word as he has spoken it and believe it in its simplicity, you will find no matter what difficulty comes your way, no no matter what tries to oppose you, there'll always be 
a more excellent way through. You don't just have to rely on your own strength. You don't have to rely on your own education or your own intellect or your own abilities because sometimes life is so complex that education can't manage it. Intellect can't overcome it. You need a more excellent way through and that's what we have access to in Christ Jesus, this very life within us. And we've always got to be aware when life comes around and, you know, it tries to slap you in the face and it tries to press your buttons and it tries to get you fearful and worried and it tries to get you in that old place of life that you've left in Christ. It tries to drag you back there. Look for the more excellent way. There's a more excellent way through. You can overcome that temptation. Why? Because the Bible tells us that in every fiery test, in every test and temptation that we will face, God will provide a way of escape. What is that? It's a more excellent way. It's a more excellent way through even the fierce, uh, fiercest temptations that we would face. A more excellent way is your way because you are in Christ Jesus. And we're going to look at this. Over the next while, over the next weeks, I'm, I'm hoping and I, I pray that as we see this way, we will begin to give our lives to it. We'll begin to look at it and we'll, be, we'll begin to see life as an opportunity. Not an endurance course, but as an opportunity to see this more excellent way fulfilled in and through us. So we're going we're gonna to look at this. I love, you know, when you look at how Paul describes the Christian life. He was always using extravagant terms. He was always trying to elaborate and, and, and make the picture as broad and as great as he possibly could with his vocabulary and his understanding. Paul was a brilliant man. And on top of all of his education and his intellect and his brilliance, he received revelation from God. And to communicate that revelation to the church of God, we find him using all of these wonderful phrases and all of these wonderful terms to try and explain something that is completely unexplainable. Try and portray something that is glorious. Paul would use words like abounding when talking about the Christ life in the believer and what's available to us. He would use terms like abounding or phrases like exceedingly abundantly above all that. That's it. Or more than conquering or triumphant or reigning and many, many more descriptive terms to picture this most glorious life, this more excellent way that we have been given the privilege to walk in. This more excellent way is available through, is available for us to go through all of the difficulties and sometimes the jungle of life. There's an excellent way through that jungle. There really is. There's an excellent way through that problem. You don't have to do it your way. It's interesting, isn't it? In Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12, King Solomon, after assessing life and human behavior, said this, there is a way that seems right 
to a man, but it leads to death. It leads to destruction. It leads to an outcome that God never intended for that individual. But because they follow the way that seems right to them, and they don't have access, it would seem, to this more excellent way. Destruction is their end in life. God doesn't want anybody to follow their own way, the way that seems right. God wants to every, every human being on the face of this planet to have access to this wonderful, glorious, more excellent way. He really does. No, there's a way that seems right to a man. You look at life, you listen to life, you watch people, and those words that King Solomon so wisely spoke under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit are as relevant today in our day and age, 2021, as they were thousands of years ago when Solomon spoke them. Why? Because nothing changes under the sun with regards to the human heart. No, we need access to another way beyond our own way. We really do. And the wonderful great news that was exploding out of the Apostle Paul and all of the other apostles and the whole church that, they, that, that, that was following them was that there is a way beyond the way that would seem right to us. And it's a glorious way, a victorious way, an all-conquering way, a most excellent way. Do you know, when I was thinking this morning of, thinking about this message really and preparing for it, I remember the first time when I got really lost in the city of London. And I tell you now, you know, I was like really in the thick of it. One of the main routes had been closed and everybody was just taking every offshoot road available. And I thought, Do you know what, I'll give it a go. I, I, I just took some side street and down I went and I didn't realize how many little side roads and offshoots there were in that city as you left the main route. And before I knew it, you know, one hour went into two hours and I was just literally going down round in circles. And you know what it's like. You've been there. You know, you go down the, the same street seven times and you, 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 you pass in the same you know, shops and the same lights and you're just wondering what's happening. Circling, circling. And, you know, the more I tried, the harder I tried to work it out, the worse it got. Couldn't work it out. And I had a, I remember vividly, I had a A to Z in my hand. And that is not the time or the place when you start studying an A to Z of London when you're driving, is it? One hand on the wheel, one hand with the A to Z open, trying to flick through where you are. And in the end, it was just all gibberish. I just threw it to the side and I thought, well, I've got to resign myself that I've got to, you know, work this out and try and get out of here. Then I realized this, there was a sat-nav in the glove box. Now, it was back in the day when these things first came out, right? And um, I'd never used one. And that's why it's such a vivid memory in my mind. Never used a sat-nav. But I thought, well, I mean, it's got to help me more than, than the way that I've been kind of trying to work this situation out. I reached for the glove box, turned the thing on, and suddenly there was a number of simple 
prompts on the screen that I had to follow, namely type in your postcode and, you know, the town that you want to head to, and off you go. Press start. All of a sudden, screen lights up. My present location comes to the fore. And then there's a number of, you know, directions given out by this nice lady who's speaking very politely as to what to do and where to go. I thought, man, this is easy. Started following the directions, listening, took this turn, that turn. And what I found was this, even when I took a wrong turn, the lady didn't shout at me. She was so nice. She didn't say, I'm fed up with you, Edwards. You're not, obey, you're not obeying my instructions. You're not listening to me. You're not doing what I'm telling you to do. You're doing your own thing. You're obeying your own ways. You're not listening to my commands. No. When I took a wrong turn, and I took a number of wrong turns on that day, I just got this nice pleasant voice, recalculating. Recalculating. There was a number, number of times. Recalculating. Right? And then there would be a, a number of little lines after that to turn round, to reroute, because the route had been recalculated in order for me to get to the destination that I needed to go to. Simple illustration. Simple illustration. If I can trust a sat-nav in the middle of London, where chaos is everywhere, down side street after side street, not knowing where I'm going, if I can trust that little voice on that sat-nav, surely I can trust God's Word for life. Because it doesn't matter how life hits you. It doesn't matter how complicated it gets. It doesn't matter what stands in your way. There's a word and a way and a more excellent way through it. And if we will listen to that word, if we will listen to his voice, he'll bring us on through. He really will. Listen to what King David said about this guidance system of God's word that's on hand in every situation in life. It's my all-time favorite scripture in the Old Testament. Psalm 119, verse 105, David says this, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your word, God, is a light, is a lamp unto my feet, and a light unto my path. It's a lamp unto my feet. What was David saying? It works in the immediate present. Right now, right here, today, there's a lamp for your feet to direct you into that excellent way. It, it's accessible. It works in the immediate present. Right here, and beyond, into your day-to-day, -day, that word is ready and willing to act and give guidance and be at hand for all of the eventualities in life that you will ever face. There's immediate, present assistance in God's word. That's what David was saying when he said, your word 
is a lamp unto my feet. It works in the immediate present. But it doesn't only work in the immediate present. Because David said, it's also a light to my path. It works in the unknown future ahead. Nothing to worry about. There's a word for the present from God. And there's a word for the future. It illuminates the path ahead. We are not heading into darkness. We are heading always into that wonderful light of his love. We are heading into a future that has already been planned, prepared, and created for us to walk into by God. And David, knowing this, must have must have felt the security that it brings to be cared for by God because that's who's looking after us. It really is. And you know what? It's wonderful because we know when you look at David's life, he made, a, he made lots of detours. He made lots of decisions that would have seemed disastrous. But you know when he cried out to God, do you know what happened in a sense? The Holy Spirit just said, recalculating, recalculating, recalculating. My mercy will take you and it will recalculate the route from here, David. You might be in a pit, you might be in a mess. And I know that you love me, David. I know that you're a man after my own heart. You've done some things, David, that, that you shouldn't have done, made some decisions that you shouldn't have made, and it's got you in a mess, and you, you, you've, you've gone down this way, and you've gone down that way, and you've, got, you've, you've, you've gone the way that seems right to you, and it's destroyed so many things, but recalculating, that's what mercy does. That's what grace does. That's what forgiveness does. Because on another occasion, David said this, Lord, realizing all of the detours he had taken in life, just like us, David said, Lord, if you marked my transgressions, I'd never be able to stand before you. But there is forgiveness with you. What's that? recalculating. Forgiveness recalculates your future. Re forgiveness recalculates the route from where you are and it takes you from the ways that you and I often get tangled into. It recalculates your present, recalculates your future, and it sets you on that course of a more excellent way in Christ Jesus. You just can't fail with him. You just can't beat him. I tell you now, whatever, whatever you do, whatever you think, his love and his mercy and his grace will enable you strengthen you to get where he's planned for you to go and to live the life that he's given you. Hallelujah. Paul used this phrase, a more excellent way, when he was trying to help Christians in the Corinthian church. 
oh, that was a bit of a church. If you've ever read 1 and 2 Corinthians, they were little tinkers down there in Corinth. But you know what? In, in such an immoral, debased city that had such a, a wild, explicit culture, God chose to birth a church right in the middle of that dark city and shine a light through these people that were struggling and failing. They were failing on all fronts. They were arguing. They were dividing amongst themselves. There were all kinds of personal issues that were just, you know, kind of exploding in front of everybody and they just couldn't keep it under the table. It was just public and everything was kind of crumbling on one hand. But on another hand, they were racing forward and progressing. It was, it was wild. But it was to this group of people that were really struggling with big life issues that Paul said, I want to show you a more excellent way. On the surface, the church at Corinth looked amazing. You look into the shop window, uh, you know, the Corinthian church shop window, and it's really impressive. Everybody would have wanted to be a part of the church in Corinth. They had the best speakers. They came behind in no spiritual gifts. They were wise. They could prophesy. They could speak in all these kinds of languages, speaking in tongues. They, they were advancing and progressing in so many ways, but Warning lights were going off in Paul's spirit, and he wanted to help them. When all of this stuff started to kick off in Corinth, do you know what I love about the Apostle Paul? He didn't go in there and say, right, you haven't followed my commands. You haven't followed my rules. You haven't obeyed the direction that I've given you. Now, he brought correction because... A loving pastor, a loving father does that. He brought correction. But he didn't say, right, shut the doors, empty the building. Nobody is coming back. We're not having a church in Corinth. No. In the mess, he just worked with them. We can get through this. And the way we're going to get through it is I'm going to show you a more excellent way. Now, we're just really laying a foundation and introducing this this morning as to where we're going over the, next, over the next few weeks. But when Paul said this, initially they must have been excited, you see, because they were ambitious. When he used that phrase, I want to show you a more excellent way, I wonder what went off in their mind. My God, maybe he's going to give us more power to perform miracles. Maybe he's going to enable us to be great speakers and eloquent. And he's going to broaden our intellect and our thinking and our mind and our wisdom. And it's going to be... No, he didn't do that. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 31. And this is where he uses this phrase that we are picking up on and using. Paul said this, but earnestly desire the best gifts. So he didn't shut them down for their giftedness. He didn't say, listen, either or. No. He said, don't lose what you got. Keep 
going strong in these abilities that you've acquired, but you've missed something. In all of your pursuit of being gifted, in your pursuit of being eloquent and wise, and in your pursuit of, of you know, preferring one above another with regards to speaker, you've missed something. And I want to bring, I want to draw your attention to what you've missed. Earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. This more excellent way was going to change how they lived with one another. This more excellent way, if they followed it, was going to have an impact on their homes. This more excellent way was going to enable them to be the best employee, to thrive, to grow, to excel in everything. This more excellent way was going to give them this very life of Christ that they had heard about, access to. When Paul used this term, more excellent way, a more excellent way, he's wanting them to understand that they have access to the very life of Christ Jesus. An outstanding an incomparable life to anything that they had ever known up until this point. Never inferior. Matches any challenge and goes beyond it. Paul is opening the door to a phenomenal life, an extraordinary way of living, of approaching and responding to all of life's complexities. He's introducing them to the life of Christ and what it looks like in the midst of every changing season. And he's going to point out to them that this extraordinary, this, this more than extraordinary way thrives when life doesn't work. He's going to show them that this more excellent way thrives when life is at its worst. That's when it comes to the fore. That's when it manifests most. Not when everything is going good, but when everything seems to be falling apart and going bad. This is the revelation that he's going to bring to them. And as he moves from this phrase, a more excellent way, we find him going on to show them and to explain exactly what it is what we know as 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 was the answer for the 12 previous chapters full of life problems. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 was the wonderful revelation that God wanted to impart into these people that will enable them to walk in the very way that Jesus walked. God didn't want to fill their heads with knowledge. God didn't want them to be inflated with a sense of superior spirituality. God wanted, through the Apostle Paul, to get very practical with them and down to earth and say, guys, we've got to fill our lives with this and we've got to flesh this thing out. This is what the life of Christ is all about. And that's not to dis distract or, 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 or to, you know, speak ill of anything else that you've gained. 
But this is fundamental. This is what makes life work. Let me read it to you. And we're going to unpack this over the weeks to come. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1 to verse 10. This is the more excellent way that Paul said, I want to show you. I want to introduce you to it. Because up until now, it doesn't look as if you've been accessing this potential that's actually inside you. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1 through to verse 10. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I've become sounding brass or a, clang or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked. What a list. <laughs> Woo! trying to think how I fulfilled any of these. <laughs> Thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails, he says. <laughs> Woo! But where there are prophecies, they will fail. Where there are tongues, they will cease. Where there is knowledge, it will vanish away for we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. What was happening? Paul was saying, recalculate, recalculate. He wanted to get them back en route to fulfill the wonderful plan that God had for them. And not only you know, to do the work for God, but to see Christ in them, working through them, enriching their lives, walking in this more excellent way. So he gives them this wonderful, wonderful picture and understanding of exactly what it is and what it is not. And he shows them what it is not because he wants to, for them to clearly grasp what this life, this love life in Christ is all about. Now there was, you know, a lot of mixed messages about love in that city of Corinth. There was a debased love. And you, you know, when you look into the history and the culture of that city, it desperately needed a real love because people's lives were being used and abused and broken apart. People were being just thrown away like a piece of rubbish, as if their life didn't matter. And Paul comes with this beautiful picture of what love really is about so that the church could receive from it and live it and show it so that the world could experience what it really was. When we look at this chapter and you read the list, 
and you see what this life of Christ really is, this love is all about, maybe like you, let, maybe, maybe, maybe you like me would think, do you know what? I can't live up to that. I, I see too many aspects about my character that are against that. I can't live in this more excellent way. Well, Paul begs to differ with all of us. He really does. Because he is confident in the work of God in the believer's heart. He is confident. He does not put his faith in man's ability to do what God calls him to do. No, he puts his faith and his trust in God's ability to do in man what he has paid for him to do. And he says this in Romans 5 to anybody that would say, I can't fulfill this. I can't walk in this more excellent way. He says this in Romans 5, verse 5. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. God's love, God's love has been poured out in your heart and my heart. It's not a feeling. It's not a sensation. It's an act of the will. It really is. It's in your heart. And, and it's, it may be at this moment in time latent potential, but I tell you now, as we access it, as we look for it, as we give it room, you'll be surprised as to how it flows out of you into life and into the difficulties that we face in life. All of us at times, have had those Red Sea moments. You hit that wall, that barrier, just like the children of Israel did when they were trying to leave Egypt. They were trying to leave one way of living slavery and get towards what God has spoken, freedom, promised land. And they hit a barrier, they hit a wall, the Red Sea. They started to panic, how are we going to get through this? Well, I'll tell you how they got through it in the end, and you know it well. The way turned up. And he made a way where there was no way. And they walked through on dry ground, and the Egyptians that were trying to, to, um, to kill them and re-enslave them, they tried to walk through that way that God had provided for his people, and suddenly the sea closed, and their past was gone forever, and they were over onto the other side walking in the plan that God had for them at that time. The way is there. Sometimes we've got to wait for it. Sometimes it'll come in God's time, not our time, but that way is there. What did Jesus say concerning himself in John chapter 14, verse 6? That's right. He said, I am the way the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Paul wasn't showing them a set of principles to follow. He wasn't giving them a to-do list or a tick list to modify their behavior. No, Paul was describing a person, not principles. He was describing a person when you read 1 Corinthians 13, and that person is none other than Jesus. And Jesus, the way, lives in you and I. Read Deuteronomy 8. It's a recount of God's faithfulness to the people of Israel 
for 40 years whilst they walked through the wilderness. They didn't have any satellite navigational system. They had the Word of God, the lamp to their feet, the light unto their path, a way forward every single day for 40 years. They couldn't run down the shops to get new supplies and provisions. God was their provision. God was their way. In, in all of their impossibilities and all of their difficulties, He never once failed them. He was always faithful. It says this, that even though there was scorpions and fiery serpents in that wilderness, do you know what? Not one struck the people of God. Why? Because the way was there. The way was leading them through the wilderness. And the same way that led them through the wilderness for 40 years will lead us through our world and our wilderness. I tell you, no fiery serpent, no scorpion, no disease, no, no trouble will come nigh thy dwelling, the Bible says. He's the way, the more excellent way. He really is. He really is. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to close. Hey, we're going to close now. We're going to get to it. We're going to get to some more next week. Next week, we're going to get to some more. Do you know this? Yeah. Daniel bought this a couple of years ago. And um, when he brought it home, the first question he asked me, Dad, yes, Daniel, can you do this Rubik's Cube? I said, oh, son. I said, I can remember those things when they first came out. Long time ago, you can too on the shelves. And um, I said, son, I failed miserably. I tried for hours to do this thing. Hours, hour after hour, trying to work it out. Couldn't do it. Could not do it. I mean, I think I managed to do maybe one side, to get one side color coordinated. I mean, that was enough for me. And then maybe I only did that once and that was it, never did it again. But you know what? Daniel set his sights on completing this thing. And it, you know, it took, a, it took a couple of, maybe a couple of weeks. And he was watching others online. Because there's a combination to this. There's a code. You crack the code. He started watching diligently, listening, practicing. And I never forget the day when he got the first side, all coordinated with the same color. He was so happy. And then it wasn't long before he got two signs. What was happening? Cracking the code. Combination. Settling in his mind. Applying the principles. Applying a different way to the way that I'd applied. My own way. Kept on. Then there was three sides, four sides, until one day I came down, done it! Six sides completed. Six sides done. We got a, an, another little lad here, Tendai's son. I don't know if you've seen him do this thing. Incredible. He came up to me one day. He said, Pastor, he said, I can do the Rubik's Cube. I said, can you? He said, yeah. He said, mix it all up. And he said, I'll do it. I think he can do it in under 30 seconds. 
right? I mean, this was a couple of years ago. It's incredible. So I mixed it all up, and it was a bit like this. I said, go on then, do it. A couple of turns. He's, I mean, literally within 30 seconds, he's got it done. I tried it on him again. I mixed it up again, you know, all differently. And again, he, he did it. Do you know what? I was looking at this. Do you know how many different ways you can mess this thing up? How many ways you can jumble it up? We're going to bring it up on the screen because I'd never heard of the word before. 43 quillion. 43 quillion times. You can jumble this thing up. It's a bit like life. It's easy to mess up and mismanage. We start 2021 with great ambition. I'm going to get up 6 a.m. every morning and pray. Thank you, Jesus. Be reading my Bible every day, I can tell you, in 2021. I'm going to be a spiritual man. Oh, overflow, blessing. Watch the word. I am going to. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this 6, 6 a.m., man. You read about them mighty men of God and them mighty women. Blink your neck. I'm going to be one of them. My hand's going to be glowing by the end of it. Oh, man. And all you do is you just rearrange the jumble. That's all you do. A couple of weeks in, you're not praying at 6 a.m. in the morning. You're not reading your Bible. Some of you can pray at 6 a.m. in the morning. Please, please, I'm not saying in any way, in a disparaging way, you know, because God calls people to do that. But when we choose to do it in our own strength, that's when it gets a little bit difficult to sustain. Or, here's another one. Right, I'm going to clean my act up. That's a good one, that is. Oh man, this habit, we can't tell anybody about it. Got to keep it in the closet. I'm going to get victory over it. Nothing wrong with that. I'm, I am going to get victory over this habit that I can't tell anybody about. It's top secret. I'm not going to watch that stuff anymore. It makes me feel bad. It's wrong. I'm not going to do it. And all we do is just rearrange the colors. We rearrange the colors. God knows. Remember, Lord, if you mark my transgressions, never be able to stand before you, but there is forgiveness with you. Here's another. I'm going to get control of my tongue. Do you know what? I realize that I've been speaking bad to my wife. I realize, do you know what? I've been, I've been speaking bad to my husband. I've been, I, I, you know, I've been loose with my tongue. I've said things I shouldn't have said. Oh, me. Stop it. I know, me too. I tell you what, when that car cut me up, Helen, yesterday, I was on my bike, right? And I said a few words, right? Uh, and I raised my hand, not my fingers, my hand, like that, to acknowledge that 
I thought they were going too fast and they came too close to me. I was angry. But I'm not going to do that. I don't know how many times I've said that to the Lord when I'm on the bike. I'm not going to get it. I'm not going to, oh Lord, sorry. And you know, you just rearrange it for another day, another failed promise. Oh, I'm never going to be jealous again. I'm never going to. Do you know what? I remember going, I said this once before. I remember going to a conference once and it was incredible. Oh, I was only a young person. I was so excited. And they preached the Bible like for full on, flat out seven days, three day, uh, three times a day. I came home so pumped up. I was probably about 18 years of age. And my friend saw me, a guy called Mike, saw me just after the conference. And he said, how, how did it go? I said, mate. I said, it was fantastic. It was awesome. He said, well, and he was a bit intimidated, right? Because I was like, I was full like. He said, he said, he said, all right. He said, great. I said, yeah, Mike. I said, mate. I said, made a decision there in a conference. Oh, yeah, Dave. Yeah. What is it, Dave? Never going to sin again, Mike. No, I, I'm never going to sin, mate. Made that decision. Easy decision to make. I'm not, I'm not going to sin. I've done with it, Mike. I am not sinning again, mate. I'm serious. Well, as you know, only took a few hours. Oh, a few hours. And a couple of hundred sins later, I was back to square one. What was I doing? Just, just rearranging the colors. No power. Why? Because I didn't know the code, didn't know the combination. And we can come with all of our great ambitions. And do you know what? God is a loving father. He's a loving father. He doesn't criticize us or grill us or pull us up. What I love about God is when we come to him, he never asks us in his word anywhere to make a promise to him in the new covenant. Never. But, but he makes countless thousands of promises to us. It's not about what we can do for him. It's about what he has done for us in Christ Jesus. But you know what? There's one who can crack this code. It's Christ. And little by little, as we come to him, what did Jesus say? The invitation was huge. Come unto me, all huge. Come unto me, all who labor and are heavy laden with this, trying to work it out. All you're doing is just rearranging the mess, rearranging the colors and thinking that you've changed it, cracked the code, you've got the combination, but it really stays the way it is. Come unto me, all you who are weary with life, I will give you rest and learn of me. Because my burden is easy and my, or my, my, uh, Yoke is easy and my burden is light. Learn of me. What's the code then? What's the code? Well, according to Paul, it's just four letters long. And you know what it is. L-O-V-E. Simple code for us to carry. And this love has been shed abroad in our hearts. And as we allow it to rule, as we allow it to take control, yeah, we're going to fail. 
Yeah, we're going to make some miscalculations, but he'll get us back on route every time. But as we allow it to stand at the fore of all of our actions, attitudes, and thoughts, we will see unfold that wonderful life in Christ. Finally, this is the final thought. Paul, the apostle, cracked the code. He cracked the code. He cracked the code. He got the combination for life, I believe. Because in Galatians, you can check this out when you go home. In Galatians chapter 20, uh, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, he says these words. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. What a place to be at. What, what a wonderful liberty and freedom to have where it's no longer you living. It's no longer you calling the shots. It's no longer you saying, my way, God, or the highway. No longer you, no longer I, but Christ lives in me. And as he went out into his world, he walked in that most excellent way that he wanted to bring these young believers at Corinth into. Amen? Amen. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for these precious, precious people, God. Oh, God. Lord, when talking about our lives, you said this. Your life has not been purchased with temporal things, perishable things such as silver and gold. Your life has been purchased with the precious blood of Jesus. Oh, Jesus, the value that you place on us. We despise our life sometimes. We despise the decisions we've made. We despise some of the things that we say and the behavior that we have. We despise ourselves. But Lord, if we could only see the value that you place on our lives, that we are the very workmanship of God in Christ Jesus, and you paid for it all with your blood, not for us to have a substandard life or a deficient life, but to walk in an excellent way of life. You are that way, Jesus. Lord, I pray for your people, both young and old today. Oh God, would you give us a fresh sense and understanding of your love. You would give us a fresh sense and understanding of the amazing price, unimaginable price that you paid on the cross, Jesus. And when you rose again, to give us new life. Lord, I pray you love your people more than we could ever understand or explain. And Lord, I pray that we would go today knowing that there is a new way, a more excellent way for us to walk in. Help us to do that. Help us to see that wonderful outbreak of Christ's Spirit in and through us. In Jesus' name, we ask it for your glory. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We're going to sing just before we go, but um, God bless you this morning. Thank you for listening to God's word. And remember, remember, his ways are not our ways. But they are. They are. 
because of his love within us. Amen. Amen. God bless you.